Hi, it's Caroline Stephen here. Remember when Oprah Winfrey came to Australia in 2010? I started to think about where would I most want to go? Maybe I should take all of you with me to the other side of the world. Australia went mad for Oprah. The Harbour Bridge had a big O on it in honour of her. Live shows were taped down at the Sydney Opera House. Hugh Jackman flew down the zip wire. Oprah went on a whirlwind tour of the Outback, Hamilton Island, Melbourne and Sydney. Sherry Salata was Oprah's executive producer during this trip. And today we hear how Sherry consequently fell in love with Australia as she continues talking more about her time with Oprah. Just to recap Sherry Salata for anyone who didn't tune in to last week's show. Sherry worked for two decades on the Oprah Winfrey Show, and for five years she was Oprah's executive producer. And she loved almost every minute of it. But the rest of her life was gathering dust on the shelf. In today's episode, we pick up from where we left off. Sherry reveals how after 20 years of single-mindedly producing such an epic show five days a week, she blocked relationships from her life. And she's now letting in her feminine energy and looking for those golden moments in her Bellevue or beautiful life. All these hilarious, soul-searching, inspirational stories are recorded in Sherry's memoir called The Beautiful No. And it's a book I'm giving to a lot of my girlfriends. Sherry is still producing. She now records her own podcast called The Pillar Life with her best friend, Nancy Haller. You know, as a share trader, I came to the markets to find another income stream and to live life more on my own terms. Just as Sherry transformed her life so she didn't, in her words, have all this unlived life, let's start the show with Louise Bedford in Mind Power. As Louise talks about any soul-crushing regrets that traders might have in life. Let's hear her now. Backed by extensive research, Morrison and Rose were the people that researched this, people's number one soul-crushing regret in their life probably won't surprise you. Romantic regrets for women are the most common type, whereas for men, work regrets are the most crippling. People regretted actions and inactions to equal degrees, but it was the regrets about things that people didn't do that inspired the most psychological distress. So what is it that you're not doing? In your quest for comfort, in your quest to feel that everything is safe and that everything is in control, what opportunities are you not taking up? Because in our old age, everybody has to reckon with the things that they didn't do. What are the things that you are not doing at the moment that could weigh on your heart? Maybe, just maybe, you should loosen up a little bit. Perhaps you should jump 
even though everything else is telling you not to other than your heart. Sometimes as adults, we restrict ourselves, we force ourselves into this mold of being responsible and we forget what it's like to have that thrill of adventure, that buzz when we take that leap, that step forward when everybody is saying stand still or step backward. They're the things that give us a buzz and they're the things that bring joy to our life and in our old age, in our dotage, they're the things we'll look back on with pride rather than with regret. Hi, it's Amanda Gore and I'm a speaker and author of Joy's an Inside Job and I listen to Talking Trading. The Oprah Winfrey Show was the biggest show on earth and Sherry Salata was its executive producer. She was the head honcho, the one in charge of dreaming up the content and making sure it happened. She was the only one who was literally in Oprah's ear during filming. She dedicated decades to her dream job, but she left the rest of her life gathering dust on the shelf. And after years of telling other people's makeover stories, Sherry's now telling her own. Last week in part one, we heard stories of star-studded workout classes in LA, an agonizing Anthony Robbins seminar, and how as Oprah grew in spirituality, so did Sherry. Today we have part two of Sherry Salata's interview and her journey into finding her Bellevue or beautiful life. Let's hear her now. Tell us about your reckoning. You woke up, it was 8.30 in the morning, the birds were chirping. You hadn't been awake at that time for a very long time. And you knew yeah. so many things had to change. How have you gone on your process? Well, yes, it had been a long time since on a weekday I would be laying in bed at 8.30 in the morning. Um, that, that would be like, it was super luxurious. And without, you know, you know, as you, as you rise in the ranks, um, uh, you know, let me think how I want to share this. Oftentimes, your day in and day out work experience is just meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting from dawn till dusk. And I, I would laugh to myself thinking, oh, my gosh, I think I have the worst job now. You know, you know, I, I didn't appreciate when I didn't have to be in 15 meetings a day. Um, but, you know, so for the first time. I had an, a, a, a fairly empty calendar and this this freedom. And I remember I had just moved to, to L.A. like the year before. And I went scoping out in my neighborhood. Like I went into the bank and I was like, hi, let me introduce myself. Like we're going to be friends because <laughs> now, now I have some time. And, you know, I'm in these coffee shops looking at these young, cool people with their laptops running their empires from the coffee shop, you know, just plugged in with their headphones on. And I thought, wow, it's really a new day. And if we so choose, we really can have, um, you know, whatever degree of freedom we desire. Beautiful. You know, in preparation to talk to you, I started watching, re-watching some of the old Oprah episodes and I re-watched the one when she came to Australia at the Sydney Opera House and Hugh Jackman came down the zip line and I re-watched the concert at the United Chicago Centre and it was so surreal to think that in those moments, the only voices that Oprah could hear were yours and the director's. Yes. 
Yeah, that was really that was really crazy. Well, Dean, the dire- the assistant director, was on the floor with her at the United Center, and you know, I would be I would be telling him, you know, here's what's coming next because everything at the United Center, those two two of the final three shows, uh, we had taped in front of almost seventeen thousand people at the United Center in Chicago, and it was madness and crazy, and we were. We really, boy, that that was. We took a lot of risks, and it was a huge gamble to pull it off. And it was so so much fun because honestly, for all those hours for Oprah not to know what was coming next, <laughs> that never happened. It was crazy. So many. Oh, wait a second. Let me talk about this that that opera house. Well, first of all, the stars from Australia are among my favorites. They were all fantastic. Every single one who showed up w- was amazing. The fact that the, the actual continent, the country, opened their arms like, like we were doing a neighborhood play and a cookout. I mean, there was nowhere we couldn't go. Like, you want to do Sydney Opera House? You want to go to Uluru? You want to go to the Great Barrier Reef? You want to go to Melbourne? You want... I mean, there was, it was the most incredibly, it was, the, the experience was so generous, Caroline, that the, the generosity of Australia and the Aussies, it's, it's like a beating heart. I've never felt anything like it, ever. We were so excited to have you all here. I, I remember that time so well. It was amazing. And I can't wait to come back. And, and and honestly, if you weren't so far away, I would live there. <laughs> I, can't, I just can't be that parted from my family, but I, I, intend, I intend to make a visit there soon. Yes, you're Polish-Lithuanian extended family. You've got friendship worked out, family worked out. You had a whole lot of yeah. things worked out. Yes, a whole lot of things work out, but you, you asked me about love. Well, here's what I would say. Um, it's very easy with your love life if if it's if it's rocky and challenging to build up a bit of an armor, and 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 the more the bigger my producing job got, the more kind of make it happen masculine energy was uh, you know, and I would be like you know like Attila the freaking Hun and. You know, and, and then really struggle to find like my, my divine feminine, like my feminine qualities. So, I mean, f- for sure, uh, I, I would tell you that the, the, the work first is the emotional work. It's the spiritual work. It's the work of really working to dissolve those barriers where there's space. There's space for that relationship. There's space for that that man to like find a place, you know, where it, you know it isn't all busied up with other things that I put priorities on. So I, I don't know. In the book, I write about um, one of our Oprah Show experts. She's a sex therapist, Dr. Laura Berman, is a regular uh, a guest on our podcast, and she was coaching Nancy and I, my co-host, um, in in our love lives. And she had quite a lot to say about me, but what she wanted me to do was was go to go to pole dancing classes. And I sat with it, and I sat with it, and 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 I kept canceling and avoiding, canceling, avoiding. And so finally, I said to her, "You've got to walk before you can pole dance, Doctor Berman." <laughs> Too much. 
too. That was a little too much. But anyway, so so I have I have literally done another complete uprooting of myself. I have moved to Northern California. I live in a very small, gorgeous town. The people are really super interesting, and and I'm putting out my vibe there. I'm putting out my love vibe, Caroline. That's so beautiful to hear. Yeah. Are you you healed, transformed, transcended? Well, here's what I realized. That is is not a destination. It is an ongoing process. So... And, and, you know, the, I, I think for a long time, I, I, I erroneously on, on some level really am, have always been really pushing for the destination. And I think now what my, what my second half of life is about is it's, it's every, it, it's, it really isn't just the journey, which has now become so cliche, but it's the moments. They, they are the moments and that, um, Every day I have, I'm presented with a million chances to transcend. I'm presented with a million chances to be transformation. And um, as, as, as I continue to go out and speak to people and Nancy and I are doing, we have a digital platform and we're doing work with women. Here's the interesting thing. And it's the cautionary tale for me. And for, you know, I, I've met a lot of experts in my day, which is you can talk about transformation, you can write about transformation, you can give speeches about transformation and do workshops, but at the end of the day, only you can be transformed. Only you can do the transforming of your own life. And I think if we're living at our optimum, at our most elevated, richest, deepest joy rides, we are transforming all the time. You know, the final show of Oprah, and I, and I bring this up because it was so poignant to your journey. She talked about the calling. And I know that after the United Center, you guys went into lockdown in your office and she wrote, you typed, and yes. the final script came out. And in the final script, she talked about finding your calling and that the deep root of all our suffering is feelings of unworthiness. At the time, yes. were you relating and twigging that you had some work to do in certain areas in your life? Oh, I, I will tell you, I was very unconscious about that. Maybe if you would have asked me the question, I would have said, yeah, 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 someday, someday, someday. It's in my someday file. But I was, I was singularly focused. And certainly right up to the, that last show. I mean, a, a daily show of that caliber is no joke. Uh, and because it's not really daily, it's you're taping twice a day. It's like you're throwing two gigantic weddings a day. And then you're still planning for the next month, the next week. And, and a million things can happen. And, and the quality of that show, that 25th year, I mean, the quality was so high. They were like producing primetime specials. You know, and getting five a week on. Um, so it took enormous energy, an enormous amount of time, and and really a singular focus to pull it off. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't have made room for introspection. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I was by Friday night, I was looking forward to popping open a bottle of Chardonnay and having a pizza. You know what I mean? <laughs> to just kind of comfort myself. Are you a steward of your well-being now? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean that was that was one of the most um deeply moving 
and painful epiphanies I had that I had been an untrustworthy steward of my own well-being. And I, I really, I could not count on myself. I was untrustworthy. So I'm, I'm, I still am in the process of building back trust. And it's not about perfection. There are, you know, it's about net forward motion. Two steps forward, one step back, net gain, one step. And you net gain about 10 steps and you're living at a completely different level. I don't want to let you go. EP, help me throw you another question. <laughs> the best executive producer on the planet. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is so funny. Well, I could tell you what I think my 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 best, like when I think about um, my younger self who was so wanting to be significant and to have a cool job, but really to be significant I would first tell her what we talked about earlier, make happiness your compass, save yourself a lot of pain. Uh, Secondly, understand that all the no's that come your way are beautiful and know it in the moment that things are working out for you. You know, and number three, it's something that, um, you know, Nancy and I say on our podcast all the time. And it's something I repeat to myself on nearly a daily basis. It's never too late to live the life of your dreams. And if not now, when? Sherry Salata, when does your book come out on sale? It's, it's, it's on sale right now. So pre-orders right now and it is published on June 4th. And it's called The Beautiful No. And Elizabeth Gilbert, the author of Eat, Pray, Love, Loves your book, as does Deepak Chopra and a whole range of other people. That I know. <laughs> I know. It's such a thrill. I mean, please, Liz Gilbert, you know, one of the most inspiring writers of our time. Yes, she, she said some beautiful things about my beautiful notebook. Sherry Salata, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Caroline. It was so good to chat with you. And that's it for this week's show, guys. I hope you enjoyed Sherry Salata. Stay tuned next week to hear Louise Bedford and Michael Yardney discuss one of Louise's favourite topics, the imposter syndrome. I'm Caroline Stephen. Have a good week in the markets. See you next week. As always, if you like this show, please be sure to tell a friend. This is super important because word of mouth is the most powerful way that people can get in touch with us. You can also subscribe on Apple Podcast and make sure you give us a big fat five-star review because it helps people find us. You'll also notice that Talking Trading doesn't use sponsors and barely advertisers. This is because Chris Tate and Louise Bedford fund this show from tradinggame.com.au. If you'd like to get Louise's five-part free e-course, register at tradinggame.com.au. So until next week... Happy trading. The views represented on Talking Trading are general in nature and do not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Before acting on any of the information, consider its appropriateness in regards to your own situation. Want to know the hottest sectors in the Aussie market? Now's your chance. Download my free Hot or Not special report from tradinggame.com.au slash hot or not. That website again, tradinggame.com.au slash hot or not.